0: Let's pray together and god, thank you that you are so awesome and lord, not only is there none uh higher uh, Lord, there's not even anyone like you Um, there's no one greater. There's no one higher there's not even anyone we can compare So god as we begin to study your word today I pray that your spirit your supernatural presence Will be in this place will be in our hearts will be in our lives and god I pray that we will learn the truth in this series that we'll study specifically in about four weeks, but that we've been talking about for the last three lord the belief that greater Is the one who is in us than the one who's in the world and lord if we can learn how to Funnel your power in our life We can learn how to live for you in this world So help us to do that And as we study your word today, just open our hearts and minds to receive your message well, As he sings in jesus name and everyone said together today Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Good morning journey And welcome to Journey Church International on our NFL kickoff Sunday. I've heard already from most of you dogging me because I'm not wearing any kind of official apparel. I set this whole Sunday up so that we could have church like it's a football stadium. And I realized this week, late in the week, that perhaps at some point during last year's 2-14 and debacle, I may have gotten angry and thrown all my Chiefs clothes away because I couldn't find any of them, like anywhere. As was like, did we move them to storage? And she said, I think, I think you gave them to the Goodwill one week. I think you just said, that's enough, I'm done. So I went to Dick's, I thought I'll buy a new one. And if you have been shopping lately for NFL apparel, it's like $600 for a T-shirt, a Chiefs T-shirt. So I said, listen, since the Royals are only three and a half games back of the wild card on opening day of the NFL season, I'm going to wear my blue and blue and white. Um, and because I'm too cheap to buy a chief shirt. Listen, until they keep a quarterback for more than three years, I ain't buying his jersey because they're just too expensive. If we can keep one for a while, I will consider it, but not until then. But I am so glad that you are here this morning. You know, we were singing that third song in our worship set today, which is one of my favorite songs. It's kind of singing through the Lord's Prayer. And a thought came to me as we were praying through, as we were singing through the Lord's Prayer. I thought, you know, this would be a great place to jump off into our Bible study today. Um, and I want you to be, get your get your Bibles, keep them close to you. Take your sermon notes out of the inside um, of your bulletin so that you can follow along today. You're going to want to take some notes and learn in the third week of the Supernatural series. But I thought it would be good for us today to begin with the Lord's prayer, not praying the Lord's prayer, but speaking the Lord's prayer, because I want to show you something that you've prayed, some of you, all of your life. And let me ask you this question: If you have been praying the Lord's prayer, throughout the course of your life at church or sporting events or Christian schools or whatever, if this is kind of something you just kind of know by heart, would you just raise your hand? Like the Lord's Prayer is something you're pretty familiar with. Okay, I want to show you something you've been praying most of your life that maybe you don't understand how it works because when we just, if we do nothing more than dissect the Lord's Prayer, we learn a lot about spiritual life. So we're going to say it together. You don't have to close your eyes. It won't be in a prayer format. It'll be in, in more of a quote format. But I want you to follow along out loud with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from... Now stop right there. Deliver us from what? Most of us have been praying a lot of our life every time we've recited that prayer That god would deliver us from evil in the greek language It that, that word evil is actually a proper noun. So it should say deliver us from the evil one Last week, we learned about satan and we studied who, who is the devil and where does he come from in part of understanding the supernatural? is just believing that you live in it, understanding you know, how the devil, where he came from, how he works in our lives, and when we can tell when we're entering a spiritual battle. And I find it so interesting. I didn't really think about this before today when I heard that song. I find it so interesting that Jesus said, when you pray, you need to always pray that God will give you supernatural protection over the devil. So we pray that, but do we know how that works? That's what this entire series is about preparing us spiritually to be delivered from the sin and the evil that's in this world so that we can live for Jesus the way we've been designed to live for Jesus. But how exactly does that work? We started week one just talking about the supernatural. We had kind of an overview of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you're going to receive supernatural help when the Holy Spirit comes. We went last week and we studied supernatural danger. And we said that, you know, not only did Jesus, but Peter and Paul all said, you need to be aware of the supernatural danger that might enter your life from time to time. And next week, we will, we will begin looking at kind of the spirit-filled life. How do we take the supernatural help we have and defeat the supernatural danger that's a reality in us? But today, I thought, since we looked at kind of the dark side of the supernatural last week, we look at the light side of the supernatural this week. So this week, I wanna teach you about angels. And I posed a question on the top of your sermon notes. Do I have a guardian angel that I'm gonna answer near the end of the message. And I think you'll be very encouraged by the answer you're going to receive from Scripture. But I want to start today uh, in one of the greatest chapters in Scripture for understanding, believing, and noticing the supernatural. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter six. If you don't have your Bibles, our ushers are gonna come down the aisle. They have some for you to use today. If you don't have a Bible, this one's yours. Put your name in it, keep it, you can have it. But in 2 Kings chapter six, I actually, the first week of the series, read a verse to you out of this chapter, but I wanna read the entire narrative to you because I don't know anywhere in scripture that is just as plain and simple a supernatural picture as we find in 2 Kings chapter 6 when we're reading about Elisha, who I told you a little bit about two weeks ago, and what happened to him uh, in a battle with the king of Aram. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 8, here's what scripture says. Now, the king of Aram, uh, if you want to circle this just for fun, that's modern-day Syria. If you think this thing between Syria and Israel is new... You can go back to 2 Kings chapter 6. Syria and Israel have hated each other for a long time. And here we see that there's war thousands of years ago. If we read the book of Revelation and we read through the Old Testament prophecies, there'll be war if the earth continues thousands of years from now. The Middle East is going to consist in and persist in turmoil until Jesus comes back. But we see the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, "Beware beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and he demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us my lord the king said one of his officers But elisha the prophet who's in israel tells the king of israel the very words you speak in your bedroom Go and find out where he is the king ordered so I can send men to capture him The report came back. He is in dothan Look at verse 14 So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. This is, this is the prayer of me for our church in this series. You should underline this. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, this is so that he might see. We're trying to... To have God open our eyes spiritually in this series so that we can comprehend things of the supernatural Open his eyes lord so that he might see then the lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots in a fire all around elisha As the enemy came down toward him elisha prayed to the lord strike this army with blindness So he struck them with blindness as elisha had asked elisha told them This is not the road and this is not the city Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for and he led them to samaria After they entered the city, Elisha said, "Lord, now open the eyes of these men, so that they can see." Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were inside Samaria. Samaria was the capital city of Israel at the time. Be like all of them in Washington D.C., outside the Pentagon with guns trained on them. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, "Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them?" And Elisha said, "Don't kill them. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them, so that they can eat and drink." and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to the master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. What happened? Something so supernatural happened that a country who had been at war with Israel just decided to never come back because they were able to see the supernatural. Their eyes were open so that they could see. Now, as we've been teaching this series, here's what Elisha understood about spiritual things that I'm hoping we can get to the point where we understand about spiritual things. And on your sermon notes, it says it this way, spiritually mature people. Because if we just look from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to see instances like this all the time where naturally something looks like there's just no way out. And then God supernaturally does something special. Here's what spiritually mature people who have walked a little while with God understand. They understand that they have spiritual help. We talked about that in week one. God laid that on my heart that our church has to understand that they have supernatural help in life spiritually mature people understand that there's supernatural danger They understand that there is an evil force in the world and through study of scripture We believe we can find out where he came from Why he's on planet earth and what his role is and eventually what his future destruction is But spiritually mature people also have what I would call a supernatural theology They have a supernatural theology, and that's kind of a church word that means something way more simple than it sounds. Theology is actually two Latin words from the Greek language initially that basically read theos and logos, or theos and logos. Theos means God. Logos means the knowledge over the study of. Basically, theology is what you can know about God. It's the study or the knowledge of God. And spiritually mature people eventually get to the point where, where what they know about God tells them this. I always, no matter what I'm facing in life, I always have supernatural help. A supernatural theology tells me that no matter what I'm facing in life and how good things are, there's always spiritual danger. So a supernatural theology builds within me this thought that I always have supernatural help. I always have supernatural theology. But if you look down at your sermon notes, a supernatural theology leads us to Romans 8.31. This is where Elisha was sitting in Dothan that morning when he could care less who was outside and how many guns they had. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a supernatural theology. A supernatural theology says, Christian, we heard some uneasy things last week. We heard about the devil and where he came from and how he works and where he and even demonic spirits, fallen angels are present in our life. And Christian, that that was an uncomfortable sermon. I I had one man say, you know, thanks, I'll have nightmares all week now when when he walked out. But a supernatural theology, it understands spiritual danger, but understands because God is for us, Who can be against us? It's what Elisha said. If you look down at verse 16, you should have that circled in your Bible. Elisha said, don't be afraid. I want you to underline those three words. And here's what I want you to apply them to. Underline those three words and then look up here at me. Underline those three words and then I want you to apply them to anything spiritual in your life. Your marriage and where it is right now your kids and where they are spiritually right now, your finances and where your finances are right now, your job and where your job is, your health or the health of someone close to you right now. If you're single, you're, you know, am I ever going to meet someone that I'm, I'm going to marry? Maybe your child and your parents are getting divorced and you think, you know, well, is my life going to be okay? Listen, anything in your life Anything in your life that you face spiritually, the answer is, when you have a supernatural theology, look at verse 16. The answer for every issue in your life spiritually is, the first three words, go ahead and say them out loud. What's the answer? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds for your life, for your job, for your family, for your marriage, for your kids, for your health. I I don't know what next week holds. I don't know what next month holds. I don't know what next year holds. But I love the saying that I learned as a young man in church I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future So don't be afraid a supernatural theology said if god is for us and he is Then don't be afraid everything's going to be okay. Elisha told a sermon his servant. Don't be afraid Those who are with us are more than those who are with them And then his eyes were opened and he saw the hillside covered with angels Now, Elmer Towns has this to say about angels. Angels are predominant in Scripture. And those who would fully understand the plan of God must study the nature and the work of angels. So if you and I want to truly know God, the mission statement of our church to see people far from God become passionate Christians and make a difference in the world. If we want to fully know God, we must understand a little bit about angels. So what do we know about angels? Just a few quick facts, and then we're going to get into the spiritual meat of it. The word angel is translated in our language, messenger. You can write in your text, spiritual messenger. And the word angel occurs 273 times in scripture. So I wanna say what I said last week. There are a lot of people who go to church who say, I just don't know that I believe in the devil. I don't know that I believe in demons. You can't believe in Jesus if you don't believe that because the genesis of them is in the same place. If you, if you say, I have a hard time believing in angels, listen, you cannot believe this book and not believe in angels because this is the context that we learn about angels from. The book of Revelation numbers 100 million angels in heaven in Revelation chapter five. So you say, how many angels are there in the world? I'm not sure. But if we're to just go by that number, 10,000 times 10 times 10,000, And then John preceded it by saying there were thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. There could be a hundred million. There could be hundreds of millions of angels around the world. But scripture speaks plainly of them. Now, I want to teach you what the Bible says, but I want to clarify one point. You're going to have to go back to your sermon notes and you're going to have to scratch out a, a word on your sermon notes and replace it. Because I told you in your sermon notes, one of the first things I had you look at was spiritually mature people understand. I want you to go ahead and cross out the word understand. Because I changed this word after a conversation that I had this week. Someone came up to me after I I preached on Satan and demons um, and they knew I was getting ready to preach on angels. And they said, um, like, Christian, do you get all that stuff? Like, do you understand all that you read? Like some of that doesn't make sense to me. Do you understand everything you're talking about? And I said, no, but I believe it. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. So I want you to change that word to spiritually mature people believe that they have spiritual help. They believe that, they, that there's spiritual danger and they have a belief in supernatural theology. And listen, it's probably not something you can understand. It's not something that makes a lot of sense. Put beside the word believe, write Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, God said, listen, as my thoughts are, as my ways are, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So my thoughts are above your thoughts. And there's going to be some things you never understand, but you have to believe them by faith. So I'm teaching you things that I believe, but not necessarily, like I've never sat down with an angel and said, hey, can I interview you for a sermon? Because my people want to know, Everything that you know, so i've just got the word of god to go, by. i've never really had a conversation with a demon Nor would I ever want to to understand more fully what they do But I believe because of scripture that they exist. So I want to tell you today what I believe from scripture And and I want you to know that i'm not expecting you to go away and understand everything But i'm expecting you to put your belief in the supernatural enough to know that if god is for you and he is Who can be against you? The answer is no one and that you shouldn't be afraid No matter what you're facing in life, you shouldn't be afraid. So what does the Bible teach us about angels? The answer is a bunch. Uh, I'm going to try to give you seven things today just to wrap your hands around in life. Uh, And after we walk through these seven things, I want to answer the question this morning. Well, Christian, do you think that I have a guardian angel? I'm going to answer that question for you as much as I can from Scripture. Uh, What do angels do? Well, we see that angels were created first and foremost to praise the work of God. And when we see angels in scripture, most of the time we see them in a context of praising God, of serving God. Remember, they're messengers who serve a master. In Job chapter 38, verses 4 through 7, God was speaking to Job about creation week. And he asked Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it on what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Today in 15, 14 NFL stadiums, no, 13 NFL stadiums. I'm calculating as I go. I know there's 16 games played this week and one was on Thursday, two are tomorrow. So that leaves 13. Today in 13, <laughs> forgive me for being a, a little neurotic, And burning my chief's clothes last year when they lost all the game. Um, So today in 13 NFL stadiums, when things go well, people are going to shout for joy together. And they're going to celebrate what's going on. That's the picture that God is drawing for Job of creation week. God said, when I said, let there be light, it wasn't let there be light. Chirp, 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 chirp. Well, one, there weren't crickets yet, but it wasn't just quiet. It wasn't just light and quietness. God said, I I said, let there be light. And there was light. And the angels just went crazy. And they started playing whatever the touchdown music was. And everybody started dancing and yelling and high-fiving. God said the cheerleaders were, the the angels were created to be my cheerleaders of creation. And they sit back and are amazed at the work of God, according to Job chapter 38. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see them just in the context of daily living. Isaiah said, I was given a vision of the throne room of God. And Isaiah said, here's what the throne room of God looked like. There were angels everywhere. And they were praising God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seating on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphim. Those are a, a specific type of angels each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of His glory. We see in creation that the angels were praising God. We see halfway through Scripture that the angels are still praising God, and in case we wonder what's happening, when the show finally ends in Revelation chapter 5, John said, I saw a glimpse of heaven in the end times, and guess what? The angels were praising God, Re- Revelation 5:11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And, we, and they were singing a song we've sung at this church, a song that's called Revelation Song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. See, every time we see a picture of God, we see an accompanying picture of angels who are praising the work of God. Every time we praise the work of God, when you stand and sing or you stand and you're quiet, but in your heart, you're celebrating what God has done. Anytime you praise the work of God, you have a little bit of angelic DNA in your soul because you're doing what the angels were created to do. Now, how do angels work within humanity? Some really interesting things that we look at within these six. According to Luke chapter 16, Jesus' teaching angels are in charge of transporting Christians at death to heaven. Kind of a heavenly taxi, kind of a spiritual taxi, kind of a, hey, how you doing? You you might remember the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Maybe there's a little bit of this going on in that. And remember, every time I reference a movie does not mean I want you to go and see that movie, because I probably saw it when I didn't love Jesus as much as I do now, and it may not be good for you to watch. But if you've seen it, you know what I mean? There's this thought that someone dies and an angel comes and takes their soul. In Luke 16:22, Jesus was telling a parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was the only, it's the only proper name Jesus ever used while telling a, a story that was considered a parable. So people think that this story really happened and Jesus kind of pulled the veil back. So we'd see what happened when people die and go not only to an eternity in heaven, but to an eternity in hell away from God. And Jesus said in Luke 16, 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Now I have to imagine this is going to be more exhilarating than any roller coaster ride that we have ever taken. I've got to imagine that this, this is going to be a moment that we look forward to, not that we have to fear when angels escort us into the very presence of God, where they, according to Scripture, live day and night praising God our Father. Scripture says that angels many times are responsible for spiritual revelation, number three. What's spiritual revelation? The word revelation, literally, it's a picture, not a word. And it's the picture of someone standing behind a curtain who pulls it back so you can see what's behind the curtain. The word revelation literally means revealing. It it means to allow you to see something that you could not have seen unless they moved a barrier. So scriptures tell us many times in scripture, but we see it specifically in Revelation 22 that angels many times stepped out of heaven to come and pull back the curtain spiritually so we could know things about God that we wouldn't otherwise be able to know unless they showed it to us. Revelation 22, 8, John said, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. So God says every now and then I'm gonna dispatch my angel. The, the word angel means what? Messenger, I'm gonna give him a little note to carry and I'm gonna send him like a carrier pigeon to someone who needs to know something about me. And these angels will reveal things to humanity about God that they couldn't have otherwise known. We know that angels, fourthly, this has to encourage you in this don't be afraid section of life. Angels offered spiritual protection often through scripture. We see that they were kind of spiritual security guards in the garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve fell and they rebelled against God and God removed them from Eden, which was perfect and which had in it trees and fruit that would allow you to keep the level of perfection. God put angels to protect the garden so that they couldn't go back and live forever in their state of sin because he knew that they needed to die in order to be reborn. So angels have always served since Genesis chapter three as kind of God's secret service, his, his special protectors, but often he sends them to protect people as well. One of the greatest stories in scripture is a story about Daniel. You might remember he was cast in a den of Lions, just to remember that story. And you say, well, how, how did Daniel make it through the night? Like, did he have a chair? Did he have a whip? Was he, you know, was he kind of like a master of ceremonies in a circus? How did Daniel get through the night in a den of lions without the lions biting him? How, what, like, what specifically happened? Listen to Daniel's answer to that question when the king knocked on the door the next day and Daniel was alive and he said, Daniel, thank God you're alive. Daniel said in Daniel 6.22, my God sent his angel." And his angel shut the mouth of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. We read again and again, we read about Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 18 when Elijah was so discouraged and he was so tired and his ministry he didn't think was effective and he was running away and he was literally on almost a 500 mile journey to the mountain of God to tell God, please kill me if you read the narrative. And it said halfway there, he was exhausted, he fell asleep and it said an angel Made him a meal, and then after it made him a meal, it fed him, and in the spirit of that meal, he was able to live on for 40 days. I don't know about you, but I'd love for an angel to do my grocery shopping so that one meal would last me 40 days, right? I mean, like, give me an angelic chef right now. That would work with my budget and probably my waistline. One meal for 40 days works. We see that angels were often dispatched to protect the people of God. We see that angels were often dispatched, fifthly, to provide spiritual provision for the people of God, people of God that were hurting, people of God that were lonely, people of God that were worried, people of God that were discouraged, people of God that were discontent, people of God who'd been taken advantage of by other people that they thought were people of God. We see at the lowest of lows, when we feel like we're living in isolation, God dispatches one of what I believe are hundreds of millions of angels to minister at our side. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had been in what we call the wilderness Temptation, 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, without friends. He'd been tempted by the devil. And after the devil had tempted him and he'd survived all that temptation, he was worn out spiritually, physically, emotionally, like he was at the end of his rope. So what did God do in Matthew 4, 11, It says the devil left him and the angels came and they attended to him. They took care of him. Man, I don't know how many days or nights you have felt like the only way you have made it through was that God sent you an angel in the form of a person or in the form of a message or in the form of a note or in the form of just something crazy that happened at some point in time. But I believe God is still in the business of looking for people who are just flat beat spiritually, physically, and emotionally and sending angels to provide encouragement and comfort and support for them. Number six, we see that angels provide spiritual encouragement. This is my favorite verse about angels in the entire Bible. You say, what is the main role of angels? According to Hebrews chapter one, it's just to help Christians. Angels, or Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? See, what's the main role of angels? Well, we see a lot here. But Hebrews 1 says, Aren't all angels, like every angel, even though there's, they do a lot of different things, doesn't every angel have the capacity to serve Christians and to help them? That's, according to Scripture, that's what angels do. And then, and then number seven is really interesting about angels. This is one of the more curious facts about angels. Scripture says that angels have spiritual awareness of how Christians live their life. I want you to think about that. Angels have spiritual awareness of how Christians live their lives. In both 1 Timothy and 1 Peter, both of the authors, Paul and Peter, mentions angels watching us. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.21. He says, I charge you, Timothy, in the sight of, he says, basically, I'm telling you something because here's who's watching in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality. Part of the spiritual accountability of the New Testament church was the thought that, listen, here's what God has said to do. And you need to know God is watching you and you need to know Jesus is watching you. And you need to know the angels are watching you and they're watching how you live your life spiritually So guess what? There may not be one person in this room who knows how many times you read your bible and prayed this week, but the angels know There there may not be one person in this room. How? Who who knows how many times this week a particular sin you've been trying to overcome you fell to but the angels know? There may not be one person in this room that knows whether or not God laid it on your heart to invite someone to church this week or to forgive someone or to say sorry to someone and you didn't, but the angels know. And there's this this thought presented that the angels watch Christians. And 1 Peter clarifies it a little more, the angels watch Christians because they're trying to figure out how humanity serves a loving God kind of different than angels serve a loving God. So what has your life shown to the angels this week watching you and what you understand about Christianity? It, it's an interesting, interesting thought. So what do angels do? Well, they praise God. They transport us at death. They help us know who God is. They protect us when we're in spiritual danger. Thank God, don't be afraid. They're more with us than them. They provide for us spiritually when we're down. They encourage us when we need encouragement and they watch our lives to see how we're doing. But, but do you have a guardian angel like that has a name? and wings and like sits in the corner of your room when you're sleeping watching you and rides on the school bus with your kids when they go to school and like just one that's assigned to you for your entire life i've read dozens of scholars this week and they are absolutely divided on the issue Um, some say absolutely yes every christian has a guardian angel that stays with them their entire life. Why do they believe that? Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. This, this, this is one you like actually turn to in your Bible and you underline to show someone later because this is, a, this is a cool one. Because in Matthew 18, 10, it says very clearly, Jesus says very clearly that children have guardian angels that are watching over them. I mean, you just, you really can't refute Matthew 18, 10. But you say, does that mean that we have good like do they stay with us our entire lives? I'm gonna give you two answers to that question in just a minute. In Matthew 18, ten, Jesus says, see that you not do you, you do not despise one of these little ones. You need to underline this verse because it's cool. See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Jesus, when talking about children and influencing children spiritually, said, make sure that you don't ever influence children negatively when it comes to spiritual things. Because they all have an angel in heaven connected to my dad who's in heaven. And you want to make sure you, you don't do that. The question is, do they stay with us forever? There are some children in here today. How, how many, if, if you're under the age of 13 in here today, raise your hand. How many children do we have in here? A couple. I believe according to the Bible that you have angels watching over your lives and you don't need to be afraid when you go to sleep and you don't need to be afraid when you go to school and you don't need to be afraid when when you go play. You need to be smart, but you don't need to be afraid. Question is, do all of us have angels watching us as we go? I said, I read a half dozen commentators, smartest men in the world that said yes. I read a half dozen commentators that say, I can't say no, but I can't say yes permanently. Yet here's what I know about angels and Christians. Um, in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, when Jesus was born, we're told this about the angels. It said, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. And they were singing praises to God. We celebrate this when we do our little Christmas plays. If you have a nativity set, you have an angel in there. The word host there, host is a numerical term that means a number beyond count. It's innumerable. How many? Just put a number on it and it's probably more. The biblical understanding of angels, when it comes to angels in your life, do I have a guardian angel? Two answers. One, I don't know. If you have a specific guardian angel that's yours. But I do understand this biblically. You have a bunch of angels who are aware of your life and who are providing encouragement, provision, protection, revelation, transportation one day. According to scripture, there are a lot of angels watching out for us. Whether you've got one and you can name him and kind of picture in your head where he hangs out with you in life, that's cool. But there are a bunch of angels, according to scripture, who are watching out for your life. 2 Kings 6.16 says it this way. If we go back to our main text, don't be afraid, The prophet answer, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So how many angels do we have protecting us? More than are attacking us. Say, how many demons in hell are coming against me today? I don't know, but I know one more angel from heaven is gonna show up and protect you than demons are coming to attack you because there are always more with you against you. Now, here's something else interesting that I found out. And this, you got to understand as a Christian, I'm learning this stuff at the same time that, that I'm teaching. And I'm not an expert in this. I'm a student of this, not an expert. Last week, I showed you these three words, creation, Christ, end times. And I, I think we've got those on the screen again. These are the three eras of scripture where, where we see God and Satan and the angels and the demons most highly involved. And if you look at these three eras of scripture from Genesis to the gospels, to the book of Revelation, these were the three greatest invasions of God's supernatural spirit onto planet earth. Creation, God stepped out of heaven onto planet earth. Uh, In Christ, God stepped out of heaven onto planet earth. In the end times, God steps out of heaven onto planet earth. The three times that God attempted the most to attach himself to humanity, where the three times that Satan and his demons came against it the most, were the three times that the angels came to protect what was going on the most, protect what? God trying to attach to humanity. And as I was studying it this week, I thought, oh, my goodness. And I, I went back and I pulled out my old sermon notes. And I lined up what we know about the Holy Spirit from Scripture and what we know about angels from Scripture and I'll tell you I was really encouraged spiritually if you if you flip over your sermon notes you're going to see when we studied the holy spirit just Just by reading what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will do this, we learn that the Holy Spirit is gonna do these eight things in our life. The Holy Spirit's gonna help us. The Holy Spirit's gonna be with us. The Holy Spirit's gonna teach us. The Holy Spirit's gonna give us peace. The Holy Spirit's gonna help us tell others about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's gonna keep us close to Jesus and make us more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit's gonna help us hear from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's gonna help us serve Jesus. Like, the supernatural Spirit of God does those eight things for us so that we can be close to God. And then we said last week, the devil comes in and he wants to destroy all that. And we gave kind of eight things. We said the devil in 4D, and we talked about discouragement and depression and discontent and division in relationships. We talked about a- attitudes of pride um, and unbelief and kind of uh, self-deceit and entitlement. And we said these eight things. So the, the Holy Spirit's trying to do these eight things to keep us close to Jesus. The devil's trying to do these eight things to pull us away from Jesus. But then when we read about angels and we see the seven things they're doing and we line these up, what do angels do? They praise the work of God and they help us understand how to praise God. They give us transportation at death, not because we don't have a hearse, but because... They, they want to take us as quickly as possible, 1 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They want to connect us to God. They give us spiritual revelation to connect us to God. They give us spiritual protection so that we can stay close to God. They give us spiritual provision so that we can be close to God. They give us spiritual encouragement so we'll stay close to God. They give us spiritual, or, or they have spiritual awareness to see how close we're staying to God. And I lined up these 15 things. And it hit me this week like it has never hit me before as we study the supernatural. And I didn't intend to study the supernatural to figure out this fact, but I realized this this week and it was kind of like a hallelujah moment in my life. I thought the reason for the supernatural and the result of the supernatural is one thing, to help us draw close to God. Like the only reason supernatural things are in our world are to help us be close to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, since Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is just trying to be friends with you and me. And the devil has put things in the world to destroy that and God said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm going to send angels. And we see this tug-of-war that they're involved in and God said, I will not stop fighting to be close to God. To people until people reject me outrightly, I will never stop fighting to be close to people You see when we live in the supernatural we live close to god But when we try to live for god without the supernatural we struggle When we try to live for god without going to church and being filled with the spirit we struggle when we try to live for god without Without having close friendships with people who are really close to god we struggle when we try to live Close to god, but then we do things that we know are sin in our life We struggle When we try to live for god, but we won't serve god we struggle We talked about in the first message we leak spiritually and if we don't keep filling back up We're going to feel empty because we are empty There are people in here. You don't feel close to god because you're not close to god There are people in here. You feel distant from god because you are distant from god You're you feel empty today because you are empty because you need to keep filling up for Ephesians 5, 18 says with the Holy Spirit. But God, according to scripture, from what I understand in these 15, God is not gonna quit fighting for you because he loves you. You know, two weeks ago, Danielle and I went out for um, a random lunch. We had a a day with a bunch of meetings and we finally like got together for the first time at like two o'clock. It was one of those weird days where we hadn't seen each other until this random hour. And at two o'clock we, we kind of connected. She was in one place, I was in another. And it's like, hey, did you eat any lunch? She said, no, did you eat any lunch? And I said, no. And we're like, well, let, you know, let's go get lunch. So like we went um, and we were on Chipman Road. So we said, let's go to Longhorn Steakhouse, which we love to try to go to from time to time. But it was at that weird time where like, like only the senior citizens were there, right? Because it was like, you know, very late lunch, very early dinner. So the ones who were gonna eat at three and go to bed at four, like they, like they were there. So we walked in. And we were the only people in the restaurant who were like under 90. No joke. And as they went to seat us, I noticed that one of the men who was eating, um, an elderly gentleman, had on a World War II veteran hat. And like I just felt in my spirit because I, I'm, a, uh, man, I'm a softie for men and women who have served our country. I'm very grateful for men and women who have served our country. I'm very grateful for the World War II generation of men and women. Where would our country be without them? And every time I, I see someone who I know has fought in that war, I, I feel a duty as an American to thank them. And I walked by him and I sat down and I told Danielle, I feel bad that I didn't stop and thank that guy. Like I feel like that's my place as an American living in the world I lived today. I should have said thank you. And she's like, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, it'll be okay. So we ate, but their booth was like behind us. And during the whole meal, it weighed heavy on my heart that I had not, that I had not said anything to him. Because if, if only me in this year, I want him to know people have not forgotten what that generation has done for us and our kids and the way we live our life. So I'm sitting and I'm, I'm listening through uh, lunch. Danielle and I are eating. He's sitting kind of behind us. And I realize he can't hear very well because everything the waitress says to him, he's like, what'd you say? You know, and she's like, do you want dessert? And he's like, what'd she say? You know, and it's like, I could tell he wasn't just real cognizant because he was probably late 80s or early 90s. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to say anything to him. And yet like it took him 10 minutes to explain to him like what the apple pie was. And it was kind of like an apple cake, not an apple pie, but it tasted like apple pie. And it had ice cream. And I listened to him try to explain to this man. And I thought, you know, it would be it would be useless to try to talk to him. He's not going to understand me. But we paid our bill and we got up for lunch and we were walking out and I actually walked past him. And I kind of looked back and I just thought, I, you know, I, it's just in my DNA. I had to go say thank you. So I walked up to the table. I think he was with, I don't know if it was wife, definitely a daughter or two who, who were probably in their 60s. Um, and I said, excuse me. And I shook out my hand to the old soldier in his World War II veteran hat and his kind of white under, uh, Hanes undershirt and his suspenders and his hearing aids. And I stuck out my hand and I said, I wanna thank you for serving our country in World War II. It means a lot to me. And like that, like he looked up at me and his eyes met my eyes and he began to cry. And I mean, he got lucid like that. And he looked at me and he said, what they did at Pearl Harbor was terrible. He started crying. And I looked at him and I was holding on to his hand and I said, I just want you to know that as an American and as a dad, I'll always appreciate what what your generation did for our country. And he grabbed my hand with his other hand and he said, I'd do it again if I had to. And I think about this. I think about this man. And you don't have to clap; he's not here. Um, But I I think. I think about. I think about this guy. And I think about one day. (laughs) Forgive me. I just had that thought of that. Not sure why you're clapping, but you know that's good. Um, I think about one day meeting Jesus. I think about one day talking to an angel. I think about one day having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, however that works. Remember, I don't understand it, but I believe it. And I think about one day just saying, thank you. Like, thank you for all the times I was tempted and you gave me strength. Or thank you for all the times that I actually crossed the line in sin and you made me feel bad so I wouldn't do that anymore. And thank you for when I felt alone that you were there with me. And thank you that you never quit pursuing me. So that i'd stay close to god and I envision them saying Like i'll do it again if I need to Because the job of the supernatural Is to make sure That you and I are close to god. So here's my question this morning and i'm going to ask the team to come up and just play quietly And I feel led this morning and I, I normally don't do this, but I feel led to just have a time of prayer at the altar this morning Because I believe in my spirit as I came to church this morning. I woke up today just so So encouraged so excited, so filled with God. But I didn't go to bed that way. I had a tough night last night. It was just a long weekend, um, a long stretch of emotional things going on the last two weeks, some of them that you've been praying for. And last night, um, I was getting all my notes together and I was putting the final touches on my message and I went downstairs to print it out. It's the last thing I do every week after I review my message three or four times on Saturday evening. I'll go and I'll print it out and I'll pray over it. And I'll set, I'll I'll put it in the car so that in the morning I can get in and go. And my printer wouldn't work. And I was tired. It's been a long two weeks. And like, I was frustrated and I was angry and I couldn't get the printer to work. So we pulled another printer out of storage and we plugged it in and it was out of ink. So we found another printer and we pulled it out and it didn't have a cord. And like, I was so, I I was just having one of those moments. Like I was so angry. I was trying to figure out whether to, break my computer or hit something or throw, like it was just one of those things, you know, like I was just, I was in a bad place and I was tired. It'd been a long, it's been a long two weeks of ministry. And I just sat at my desk and I just thought, Lord, what am I going to do? It's like 1030, 11 o'clock. It's too late to call anyone and say, Hey, can you print out my message and bring it? So I ended up for like, for the first time in my life, I just preached off an iPad because I couldn't get paper notes it worked I think um and I just got down on my knees in my office and like you know what I needed like more like I just needed a hug like have you ever been in that place don't judge me it's only weird if you make it weird like that like that's what I needed like in my spirit you know you know what I'm talking about Ian right it's like I just needed a hug right like someone to just say it's okay um and I got down in, in, in my chair. My lights were off in my office. The lights were off in the basement. I thought, I'm a freak sitting down here in the dark thinking about breaking my computer. Daniel had gone upstairs to bed. And I got down on my knees on the floor and I turned my little swivel chair around and I put my elbows in my chair. And I said, Lord, I am so discouraged right now. Like, please encourage my spirit so I can go and minister tomorrow. I'm tired. I can't get my stupid notes to print. Um, like, help me. Help me at least fall asleep tonight. This is going to be one of those nights where I struggle to sleep. It's like a 30-second prayer. Got up off my knees, walked upstairs in the dark, and my cell phone had been laying on the dining room table, which I passed between the basement and heading upstairs to my house. And, like, the light was on, like I had just gotten a message. Now, now, that's weird. Picked up my cell phone. It was almost 11 o'clock at night. And there's a text message on my cell phone from Pastor Dan Sutherland, who's a pastor at Westside Family Church. He's become a mentor of mine. We do not communicate regularly. I see him once a month. Wasn't even really for sure that he had my cell phone number. And while I had been praying, here's what he texted me. Christian, God just laid you on my heart. It told me to pray for you so you'd be encouraged. Just prayed for you. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. Now, I don't understand how that works. And perhaps it was just a coincidence That's one heck of a coincidence, is it not? That what I'm praying for in that moment, you say, did an angel do that? I don't know. Did the Holy Spirit do that? I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but I believe God is for me. And I believe if he's for me, then then I don't have anything to be afraid of. And, And I feel like sometimes people sit in church and you feel so distant from God. And the answer is just to get on your knees and say like, all right, Lord, help like that old world war ii vet, he'd say of course i'll do every time you need help i'll give it to you so i'm just going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes and if today you're like i was last night just kind of empty discouraged frustrated tired and you just need some spiritual help who knows how god will answer the prayer of your heart Who knows what angel he'll dispatch who where when to reach into your life to encourage you to let you know he's for you And we don't do this often at our church, but I feel led today To just open our altar if you just want to come and pray today And just get on your knees and say okay like lord help it can be 30 seconds. It can be two minutes. It can be three minutes But in just a minute i'm gonna ask the team to sing And I'm going to count to three. And if you just want to come pray, you can just come pray. Do what I did in my office last night. Because I don't understand it, but I believe it. I believe God hears. I believe he cares. I believe he still dispatches angels to this day to minister to us, to minister to our family members, to minister to our kids, to minister to our spouses. But we need to ask. So on the count of three, if you want to pray, come on.